Podcast here on Sarport.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Goto, aka JD Smooth. And you know, if you were dead at midnight, even if you weren't, if you're a fan of UCO by now, I'm sure you've seen the score. If not, you must have been living under a rock here or not privy to social media because uh, the score of the President's Cup. Uh, was plastered across every social media page imaginable. Uh, I happened to witness that historic day uh, um, again. So we have another historic day that we will we'll, we'll, we'll get into shortly. But uh, I want to start here uh, as, but, but before we get into uh, the other useful happenings here, uh, just by saying I want to issue an apology to anybody associated with the 2015 Kansas Jayhawks. Now, if you recall last week, I had said Northeastern State reminds me of, Can- of, the, of, the, of the 2015 uh, Kansas Jayhawks, uh, the first year under David Beatty, uh, about how, you know, Kansas wasn't the most talented team. They obviously, they obviously weren't because they did not win a single game, uh, but they played hard until the very end of every game. And, you know, after watching four quarters of Eastern State football, I had to take that statement back. Uh, I had to take this, 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 this statement back here, uh, not due to the lack of effort. As a matter of fact, I was surprised when we get into the bar score here, uh, the fact that they played as hard as they, uh, for as long as they did, I was impressed by but in terms of the talent gap, now I know you're going to be saying, well, you can't compare, you know, D1 to D2. I'm talking about in terms of the retrospective levels 
and just overall talent here. Kansas was actually in a couple of ball games that season. If I recall, they almost beat TCU. Uh, and Eastern State has not been in any games whatsoever this season. I guess you could say the Lincoln game, but I mean, even then, were they really in it? Uh, and so I want to just go ahead and say that was not a fair comparison. Well, Eastern State is worse than the 2015 Kansas Jayhawks. And when we get into the recap here shortly, uh, you will you will see why. Now, uh, also before we started here, we planned, we had planned on me and uh, DJ DJ had planned to uh, start the, the, the uh, better production end of the podcast. Something has come up on my end, not be able to make it uh, today to DJ Deuce J studio to to do it so we will shoot for next week on that so uh just just to remember if you recall at the end of the podcast last week we had mentioned uh some quality of life changes that may be happening either this week or next week or probably this at this rate will be next week again we had it planned everything laid out um to do it for this episode but again something came up on my end and so we had to move it to next week. Now, that being said, here we get into the podcast. Volleyball. Volleyball improved to 18 and 11. Uh, they started off with a 3 to 1 loss to, to Central Missouri on Friday, but then pulled off a very impressive 3 1 upset over number 14 Northwest Missouri State uh, on Saturday. So, I want to uh, uh, wish a congratulations to head coach Edgar Miracu and his Broncos there on that that, that huge upset. Uh, they traveled to Missouri Western on Saturday for the season finale, and then there will be the MIAA uh, conference tournament. So I wish volleyball the best of luck here. Soccer moved 13-4-2 with a 3-0 win over Fort Hayes in the quarterfinals of the MIAA postseason tournament. Uh, they now travel to Central Missouri on Friday for the semifinals. So I want to wish head coach Mike Cook and the soccer team luck in their second round matchup. Wrestling, wrestling competed yesterday. I know I had said Sunday last week I was wrong. It was Saturday I misread. Uh, and they placed, they placed nine. They, they, they placed nine wrestlers in the open division at the Oklahoma City University Open. Those wrestlers were Cody Karstetter at 125, Brick Filippo at 149, uh, and Gage McBride at 174, all finished second, while Nate Kim at 141, Zachary Moore at 149, and Heath Gray at 184 came in third. You have Tanner Cole at 125, Dayton Garrett at 165, and Kalen Winkler at 197, all placed fourth. So uh, I, I I do want to get them credit there. And then they also had four placers in the freshman sophomore division led by Logan Farrell's title winning effort at 133, Hunter Jump at 165, uh, and JT Stambeck at 174 at runner up finishes and 194 David Wright took fourth. So I, I wish the wrestling team here again off to a very good start. If you recall, they beat Drury uh, last week 
played 41 to three. So uh, his wrestling program is, is, is a really, really good program actually. I mean, they, uh, and I know the Hamilton, the, uh, the, the new annex open now with the new locker rooms uh, and the uh, practice gym for the, for the basketball teams. And then there's also a new a new wrestling room in there too that looked really, really impressive. Uh, so I, I I just I wanted to just mention that as well. That opened on Wednesday, I believe. I had planned to be there, but uh, I I had something else to do during that that time. But the pictures that I saw, uh, it is it is it is just magnificent, and it's truly a watershed moment here. Uh, you're associated with UCO Athletics and you kind of know the facilities that we had in the past. I think anybody when the uh, Sports Performance Center opened, uh, how wonderful that was, that 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 truly has bolstered the game. And I think you can even see that just in the quality recruiting for the football team now. Uh, it definitely helps and it's also helped out now the basketball programs, uh, the volleyball programs, the resting programs. Uh, the soccer programs who also use that as their locker room uh, and the tennis program as well. And I know baseball, they're in the process of upgrading their facilities too. So uh, it, it is definitely exciting times here on the UCO athletic front. Uh, then women's basketball, as you recall, they started this past weekend. They are 2-0 on the young season with a tough 80-72 win over Mary on Friday and then last night just put the foot down on Northwestern Oklahoma State 84 to 49. Now you can catch them in uh in in action as they host Arkansas Fort, Fort Smith on Wednesday in the home opener at Hamilton Fieldhouse at 5.30 p.m. and then they also host Southern Nazarene on Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Now, the men, on the other hand, are 0-2 on the season. Now, they've had two tough, uh, tough losses. Now, if you recall here again, uh, the men's basketball program now under, under new leadership with Bob Hoffman and a lot of new faces. So, it should not be surprising here for the early struggles. Uh, I, I think that it's going to take at least a, a maybe five, six so games to really get the things down. I mean, uh, what I was told is trying to figure out lineups and 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 combos that work. And then you have, again, a lot of new players here trying to be used to playing with one with one one another. So it might take some time here, but I have no doubt that Bob Hoffman will get it done. Uh, they lost in overtime to Mary on Friday, 64 to 56. And then last night, Northwestern Oklahoma State 63 to 55. They traveled to Oklahoma Christian on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, and then they play in a tournament in Warrensburg, Missouri, which is the home of the Central Missouri Mules. They play Saturday against William Jewell at 5 p.m. and then Sunday against Upper Iowa at 2 p.m. So I want to wish the basketball program uh, much luck there. Now moving on here, Okay, to the recap, the main enchilada, uh, which uh, they, they really, yeah, the, the definitely the main enchilada here. Uh, and that is UCO's very historic dominating win 
over Northeastern State. Now, before we get into the recap here, really, I, I just want to go here and do a quick soapbox on why as much as I enjoyed the game Saturday, as much as I'm sure everybody associated with UCO enjoyed the game Saturday, they retained the cup for the sixth straight, straight, straight year. Uh, the the uh, seniors have never lost the cup. I want to give them a huge shout out there. And of course, we'll mention that we did get a chance to talk to head coach Nick Bobek after the game for about 10 to 12 minutes. Again, appreciate that. Uh, and I did a good chance to ask him about what, what it means to send the seniors out uh, the way that they did. And he wrote the fact that, that, that they have not lost the President's Cup. So I want to give them a shout out for that because that is huge. But as much as I enjoyed the game, it, it, you know, part of me, especially towards the end, you know, I kind of had two feelings here. And this is where I would have asked uh, my man DJ Deuce J here, but, you know, there's something to be said here. Now, I, again, it, it, I'm sure anybody enjoys his domain arrival. I mean, I, I don't know who doesn't enjoy it, but I have to feel like, at least from a fan perspective here, you, you like to see competitive rivalry game. I mean, would Bedlam be as interesting if it wasn't competitive? Probably not. I mean, I think I, I think we recall here whenever you know Texas was down uh, those, those those couple of seasons there in OU round them. It, I mean, yeah, it was enjoyable, but I, I would much rather have a game like we saw this past year. Where it, where, you know, it was a close game. I just I like seeing close games and rivalries. Uh, that has not been the case here recently. As a matter of fact, I'm going to shout out here to the usual Instagram page. Last night, they posted a picture here uh, of the last of the uh, of the senior classes scores in the President's Cup. The last close game was 2016, and it was 17 to 14. The last three years. Have gotten worse every year. In 2017, UCO won 62 to 21. Last year, UCO won 62 to nothing. And this year, UCO won 82 to 14. So as you can see here, UCO is getting better every year, which is uh which is which is obviously great. I mean I I love to see that. But Northeastern State is getting worse. As a matter of fact, Northeastern State, I believe now, I was told I, they're, um, they're in a 20-some-odd game losing streak. They are winning, I think, one in their past 34, 35 games. And after they lose to Fort Hayes State on Saturday, they're about to finish their second straight winless season. Now, I know they have a first-year head, uh, head coach, and I was optimistic, you know, maybe maybe you know in a couple of years they might be competitive here but i was talking to one of the radio guys uh, that calls the uco game and he even said you know i don't i don't even know if four years of recruiting will honestly do anything for them and i, I and the more i thought about it I, I i tend to agree because if we're looking here and i set the baseline comparison to the, the kansas under David Beatty. I mean, if we're being honest here with David Beatty, you could say 
his first, I mean, that, that very first recruiting class with Derrick Beatty and then on some, the really only legitimate marquee win was against Texas, and, and, and Texas wasn't even that good that year. I mean, you say now, like, e even even now with, with, with Puka Williams and Corey Harris and the, the, the recruiting that, that Derrick Beatty did, it still did not make a lot of difference here. And I, I think with Northeastern State being in even a worse spot than that Kansas team was here, uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if we're just looking here at the at the, at the stats now, in the last three games, Northeastern State has allowed 247 points. That comes out to 82.3 points per game. They have scored a combined total of six points in the last three games. And that has not like two points a game. I mean, it, it, it's really, it's really, really just, it, 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 you just feel bad for them because of the fact that they definitely try hard. And I, I want to give them credit on that front. Uh, they were down big. Okay, and they, they, they kept fighting when we get into the, the, the box score here, you'll see in this in the second quarter, okay, they, they actually tried to make it a game. Uh and I want to give them credit on that on that on that front. But I, I just I just hopefully just at some point down the road that the series can get a little bit more competitive because you know again. It's great seeing the win, and I deeply enjoyed witnessing history again for the third time this season. Uh, but you know, at, at the at the same time, I just like to see rivalries that are a tad bit more competitive than what this one has been in the past couple of seasons. But that being said, here. Soapbox over. We'll get into the recap. And now, I must note here before the game, I was told that UCO was, was starting was starting a quarterback who has not played this season. Now, there's a little bit of trivia here. There are five QBs on the roster. Now, we know three have played, being Keith Calhoun, Chandler Garrett, and Will Collins. Now, there are only two left on the roster that has not played this year. That would be Casey Bates and Brandon George. Now, if you were to guess that Brandon George was starting, you'd be correct because Brandon George, if you recall way back in a signing, not a signing day, in the preview, I told you that he was a late ad from Juco. Now, if you also recall here, he was a standout quarterback at Jones in high school. Uh, that man was an absolute stud. I, I recall my high school playing them. Uh, he was the real deal there. Now he went to, he went to Southern, Southern, Southern Illinois for a year and then went to Juco last season. He's also the younger brother of senior Nick George. Uh, so, which was also cool to see, you know, the brothers playing again. Um, you know, Brandon George taking the, the uh, snatch from Nick there was actually a pretty cool sight, especially on, on, on senior day for Nick, I imagine, for the George family. That that had to be uh had to be fun fun to watch. But 
Uh, in any case, Brandon George was starting out. Unfortunately, we did have three seniors out in the game. You just hate to see it because, again, you always want the seniors to play. Uh, Jacari Hunt was out. Jacob Blair was out. And Marshall Tolson was out. Now, Vaughn Appleman, a, a reserve defensive end from Ada, uh, 6'7", 245. They moved him to H back, okay, because uh, apparently we were, we were just down to two, which was uh, Daxton Williams and Dante McGee. Now, Vaughn did get in there, and, you know, to be honest here, wasn't that bad. Uh, he was not that bad, so I'm curious to see where he will end up uh, down, uh, down, down, the, down the road here. And then a little bit here of just pure joyous news. If you recall last season, Derek Loxon, uh the, the leading tackler on the team, the sophomore safety from Westmore, we had his foot cut off by a train. I uh, uh, I was told by Chris Brandon here that Derek practiced in pads uh, this this past week and was it was keeping up with the wide receivers and honestly was not looking bad. Now that 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 right there truly epitomizes uh, the, the character of not only Derek but the character of the team here because every time life pitches them an obstacle, they always overcome it. And so to Derek here, on behalf of the Chosho and SwallowPort.com, I just want to wish you, sir, want to say congratulations, first of all, on taking that huge step. I uh, must know you, you are an inspiration here to a lot of people. Now, you may or may not know that already, um, but I, I just wish you the best. I know you have heard you playing in the comeback next year. I really wish you the best. Um, I, I, I just wish the best moving forward here um, and that you were able to return to the field that I'm able to be there to witness it and hopefully talk to you afterwards because that would truly be a watershed moment for a lot of people. Uh, so I, I just want you to know that that, that, the, that the Cho Show and the Swap Report is behind you 110% uh, and that you, you are more than welcome here uh, at any time to uh, come on the podcast, uh, but we will we'll definitely be uh, continuing to, to root for you uh, as you continue on your journey back to the football field. Now, getting into the recap here, uh, UCO started off, it, it, I want to say it was slow, okay? Now, they they, they kicked off, they got the they got, uh, three and out, as we kind of figured. They would drive down the field here Settled for a field goal uh, after a missed touchdown pass. Now, Coach will, will talk about uh, what he thought of Brandon George, his initial thoughts later. Now, I'm personally here for a guy that I don't think he's seen a lot of game action since high school. And he didn't, I mean, to be honest here, he was running the scout team, what is what, what I was told most of the season. So to kind of get thrust there into the starting job, you have to factor in the, in the rust here. I honestly think, given the totality of him throwing and passing, it was not a bad game. I, I, I was fairly impressed here. I think you saw the flashes, and if you were there, you definitely saw the flashes uh, that made him one of the best quarterbacks 
in the state during his, his time at Jones. Now, there was definitely some uh, some mistakes there, as I'll point out, and then as Coach will also point out. One of them was a missed touchdown pass. I, I think it was to Dawson. I think it was to Foskis. Uh, he just he just overthrew him. I, I, I think he had him, uh, but he, he waited late. Regardless, it would still result in a 32-yard out middle field goal. Uh, then UCO would score again after another after a another stop on a 19-yard pass from Brandon George. 2-1 Dustin Boskins. Dustin Boskins would get shaken up in that uh in the game. I think on the following drive would not return. And I don't think it was anything too too serious because I mean he was he was he was still suited up in, in the in the in the second half and such so i don't think it was anything major so i'm putting him to play next week against Victoria. uh then uco after another stop will score again uh on a brandon george eight yard touchdown run uh brandon george i, I must have forgotten that he was as elusive uh as he was because brandon george would tell you Man has some moves here. Man has some moves. Uh, I would say he does now. He tries his best to lower the shoulder. Now, obviously, Chandler Garrett is, is, is top notch at that. I will say, Brendan George, given his size here, at six foot two oh five now. Uh, I was really impressed by the power on some of his his uh, runs. Uh, the eight-yard touchdown being one where he had a juke and then broke a couple of couple of tackles. Then UCO would end the quarter here. Drakeon Brown again. Now Drakeon Brown, unfortunately for UCO fans right now, is a senior. Now I say that because Drakeon Brown. Uh, I, I asked Coach about him again because you just could not not ask him about. Uh, Brown at this point, and then also when we uh, when I mentioned the football seniors here, uh, you will see that uh, especially late, uh, he has by far been probably the most impressive player on defense. You you you, you would have to say here the past couple of couple of games. I mean, we're talking about Northern Illinois transfer here. He started some linebacker. They moved him to end a bit on a tear of late. He, he continued that trend by registering a strip sack on a third and 20 and would then recover it and score the touchdown. Now, you might be asking yourself, how is this possible? Okay, let me let me walk you through it the best I can. So he, so he got the sack. All right, in the process of throwing him down, the ball came out. He was able, because Northeastern State was so slow, he was able to get up, scoop the ball, and run in for the touchdown. It was fantastic. I'm happy for him. Man, senior there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for him that he was able to not only get the sack, but also get the, get the touchdown. So it was 24 to nothing here. Uh, after one quarter. So at that point, you know, got me thinking here, this is this is going exactly how we want it to go. 
Now, I will say, okay, I will say also defensively here, uh, in the first quarter and 13 plays, UCO allowed three yards of offense. And then legitimately here after the first play of the second quarter, where they fumbled the snap <laughs> and brought more Eastern State total to 14 plays, negative four yards. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, just again proves to you here how inept that, that offense is. They couldn't even pack the ball. Uh, so, UCO would get a stop on that drive. UCO would then drive down the field here. Peyton Scott also got a lot of carries as did Todd Griffin and TJ Roberts. Now, I will say Peyton Scott is more powerful than I recall, or. That means that uh, strength and conditioning coach Jason Smelser's program is working because Peyton Scott, I'm going to tell you, ran over a defender who was then injured on the play. So uh, I, I, I just, uh, that, that right there, as a matter of fact, almost any time somebody from UCO ran over a, a Riverhawk defender, they were injured. I'm going to put that out there. So uh, UCO definitely bringing the boom here on offense and defense. But however, it, one of the mistakes by Brandon George that happened here, uh, we had the ball in the red zone. We tried to throw a slant for Priest Phillips, uh, and the, the Priest was actually pretty well covered. It was deflected and then lined, and then they, it was picked off by, I believe, Jaquiel Washington, you linebacker from Northeastern State there, uh, with, 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 which was the first stop on the whole game, and it would lead to a touchdown on that on that drive. So it was 24-7, okay. And and now if you were if you were there again, you I was my concern. Now, you know, Northeastern State, they finally have some positive momentum here. You could see it on the on the sideline, but as, as I was telling my man James D. Jackson, editor-in-chief of the Vista, that all we had to do was just go down there and get, get the touchdown back, and uh, the momentum will have uh, ceased. That was indeed the case, as George found Josh Moore for a 44-yard touchdown. I'm making it 31-7. Then, okay, then... And then this is where this 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 right here, I think this sequence of plays here probably sums up the Northeastern State season. Okay, so they, they, they tried to run a speed option. They pitched the ball literally right into the defender. Now, I don't know who it was, but they pitched it right into the defender. They, uh, Northeastern State would then recover inside the one yard. So at that point, you're thinking, okay, hey, we got a safety against Washburn. We can definitely get one here. And they did. Now, it, it was it was not, you know, due to UCO at all. It was because their quarterback, Jacob Madrono, the Muskogee native, tripped over running back Kelvin Jackson. On a read option, and he fell in the end zone, resulting in a safety. Now, they gave the credit to Isaiah Feaster because he was uh, he, he was the closest one to him. 
But yeah, they, they, they trip over themselves. Calls the safety. I made it 33-7. Now on the following drive here, Kyle Griffin, a uh, very impressive, impressive drive. Uh, many had seven for 77 on that on that drive. Uh, he had a touchdown, 40 to seven. Uh, then North again. Now I have to give them credit for still fighting here. You're down 40 to seven. A lot of teams were just full. They did not. They came back. They offered a very impressive touchdown drive here. I have to say, uh, it, it, it was, it was uh, there were two drives. For Northeastern State in in that in that quarter where you're like, okay, this this could be a competent ball club, but then it's not sustained. Uh it, it is definitely not sustained. Uh, again, they, they would score here. I mean, I could not tell you now. I do know Mark Whelan, the wide receiver from Haskell, can't do the stud. I'm telling you right now, he blew me away. I, I would if Mark Whelan was dressing up for the UCL Broncos right now, I'd be one happy man. That's how high I am on Mark Whelan from the Northeastern State. Uh, but regardless here, so they were scoring touchdown. Then we are trying to run a two-minute drive. Preach, I'm telling you here, this was a beautiful catch. And it was double or triple coverage. It was, oh, it was it was thrown it was thrown up to him because Preach is just that good of a dead receiver. He caught the pass. I mean, just immaculate catch. But unfortunately, would land right on his shoulder. Uh, he was he when he was hurt. Um, a coach said it was probably his shoulder or collarbone injury. He had an arm and sling in the second half. Uh, it was truly unfortunate because uh, again we're just getting we're just getting thinner and thinner there at the receiving position uh and then unfortunately on the next play here we had done it by zone the fourth wide open in the end i mean wide open in the end zone uh brandon george he stepped up and just threw it short and it was picked off so that uh, the half ended with ucl up 40 to 14 now but i was told and what you will hear uh and cover sound bite but I heard the halftime was none too pleasant. And you could tell because you sure would come out in the third quarter and proceed to score 35 straight points. Now the first touchdown came to Dawson Huddleston, his first career touchdown. So I do want to give him a huge shout out here. Now he's a guy along by Zelda Fourth that has stepped up here when the injuries have been mounted at the senior position. So I want to give uh, Dawson Huddleston here a shout out on his first career touchdown. He took a touchdown pass on a, uh, on, on, a, on, a, on a fade. One-handed catch, I mean, it was a beautiful one-handed catch along the boundary. So uh, it, it, it was uh, very impressive. So they made it 47 to 14, then on the next drive from Northeastern State, now I will have to admit I missed this. I went to use the bathroom and get a soda uh, to uh, during the kickoff. I happened to come back from getting the soda, and I see Kobe Underwood running into the end zone for a pick six again. Kobe Underwood 
just clutch. I mean, now granted, you could say, okay, they up by, what, 33 points at this point, but the man just making plays. I mean, we can't underestimate here. He did it against the Missouri. He did it against Washburn. I think I think he did it against 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 like Missouri Southern. The man is just making plays. I, I have to say, for a guy here, if you recall last year, him and Daniel 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 Ballman had a really rough start. Now I mentioned Kobe came on strong there towards the end of the season last year. Had a had a pick in the, in the bowl game, uh, and then again this season also struggled early, but was coming to his own as, as late here. And I have been just impressed by him. Uh, Daniel Bauman also had a decent game game as well. I feel like if you're a UCO fan, again, you have two solid corners here for the next couple of seasons. I think both are registered sophomores. But uh, so you had a pick six there by, by Colby that was 27 yards. Okay, then TJ Roberts would add. Uh, would uh, add in a touchdown after a nice giant by Zell, the fourth return. So once Priest went out uh, and Boxes was out, it literally was down to Bizel the fourth. Now Bizel the fourth also, I learned, is the backup holder. So uh, Bizel the fourth here, I'm telling you, I mean, for, we're talking about for a guy that came in as a quarterback now. It's kind of been a Swiss Army knife here uh, this of this of uh, this, uh, this season, but he had a really nice punt. I mean, a really nice punt punt return. I was actually impressed there. Thought he might have had a chance to chance to break it, but he needed one more block than what he had. No matter as again, uh, TJ Roberts was punching in from 18 yards out, and it's 61 to 14. The following drive, redshirt freshman in from Jinx, Stephen Krager, would notch his first career sack. Now, I recall when I talked to Eli Crooks last year, he was really high on Stephen Krager. Um, so I know that had to be, you know, he had to be happy for Krager on that, getting his, his first career sack. Uh, TJ would then score a touchdown on the following drive. That would give UCO 67 points which is the most scored under Coach Bobek, ranking his high of 63. So right there, we have one, one record set. Then on the following drive, senior Brian Byrne with fourth or fumble of Kevin Jackson, I believe. He covered at the, at the Northeastern State 30. TJ would then punch it in again from two yards out. Looking at 75 to 14. Now at that point, it's when Northeastern State, you could kind of, you, you, you could, you could, you could tell they were throwing in the towel. Uh, but again, I give them credit here. They they did fight hard for at least three quarters here. That's gonna be tough to do uh, when you're just getting ran on. Uh, then in the fourth, Isaiah Major. Now this is unfortunate for Isaiah Major here, the true freshman from uh, from Millwood. He had a fumble recovery that he ran it back for the touchdown. Now, fortunately for Isaiah, uh, he celebrated a tad bit too early and got called for something like for, for taunting. Uh, and it happened before the ball crossed the, crossed the end zone. So 
The touchdown was called back. No matter as my man Seymour Daniels scored touchdown, the final touchdown uh, from one yard out. I was happy that that Seymour was able to get, get in the end zone there. Uh, that makes three running backs that scored uh, in in this in this uh, in, in this ball game. So, uh, and I know I'm a huge Sabor Davis fan here. Uh, so it was eight, it was 82 to fourteen. Um, then the last two notes I have here: Derek Shaw, the Broken Arrow native and North Texas transfer, he knocked a sack, and then. Northeastern State's first actual stop on a non-turnover occurred in the 4.05 mark in the fourth quarter uh, where UCLA had it nearly everybody, anybody who stood up that had not played it at that point in time. Uh, and they finally got to stop. They were they pretty much just, just, just run the clock out themselves. And it ended 80-14. to 14. Now, this was the most points scored for UCO. Since scoring 118 against Carver College in 1922. Now, let me ask you yourself, who or what is Carver College? Well, my man Chris Brandon did further research, and it turns out Carver College is a chiropractor school. And we felt like all they did was just round up about 15 guys and uh, send them to Edmund and proceed to get the whoop medal on them. This is also uh, the most points scored in one of the stadiums and it has been renamed. So just a very historic day. Again, we're looking at the bark at the overall team stats here. UCO 29 first downs. 389 yards, a 7.8 yards per carry with six touchdowns. Only lost three yards the whole game, and that came on that final drive. Uh, passing the ball with 257, with two touchdowns, I mean, with three touchdowns, two picks. But it was finished with 646 yards of total offense here. Uh, had had the ball for 33 minutes. Uh, they were five of eight on third downs, one of two on fourth downs, nine of ten in the red zone, with eight of them being touchdowns. Also, knocked three sacks and a 28 point of turnovers. For Northeastern State, 10 first downs. <laughs> I forgot about this. I forgot about this. Negative five rushing yards on 36 carries. Now they had 95 rushing yards. No, no, no. They had 90 rushing yards. They lost 95. Yeah. Uh yeah. And they had uh, a hundred and uh, they had a hundred and fifty-nine yards passing, one touchdown, for a total of a hundred and fifty-four yards on fifty-nine plays. Uh, they lost three fumbles. Uh, they, matter of fact, they had more kickoff yards than they did uh, total yards of offense. Um, and they were two or thirteen on third down, over one on fourth down. 
0 of two, uh, two of two in in the red zone, and had seven points on turnovers. It must also be noted here that senior punter Alex Cavito did not punt the ball a single time in the game. When we get into the individual stats here for UCO here, Brandon George, 13 of 20, 257, three touchdowns, two picks, also was leading rusher on the day. 13 carries, 119 yards, one touchdown at 9.2 yards per carry. And you have Toss Griffin here, 10 carries, a buck 14, one touchdown, 11.4 yards per carry. TJ Roberts, 13 carries, 95 yards, three touchdowns, 7.3 yards per carry. Payton Scott, three carries, 21 yards, seven yards per carry. Sabor, six carries, 19 yards, one touchdown, 3.2 yards per carry. And then Tucker Pauly, four carries, uh, seven yards, a 1.8 yards per carry. Then receiving here, Dustin Bostis in literally one quarter. Five catches, 58 yards, one touchdown. Josh Moore, two catches, 60 yards, one touchdown. Preach Phillips, two catches, 51 yards. Uh, Tom one catch, 38 yards. Peyton Scott, one catch, 29 yards. Dawson Huddleston, one catch, 12 yards, one touchdown. And by the fourth, one catch, nine yards. Then we're looking here. Um, from Northeastern State, Jacob Madrano, 11 of 23, one interception, sacked three times, 159. Uh, Kevin Jackson, 13 carries, 44 yards, two touchdowns. Isaiah Davis, six carries, 22 yards. Booming Knight, six carries, five yards. And Jacob Madrano, six carries, negative 35 yards. Receiving-wise, Mark Wheeland again. Mark, Mark Wheeland one of the bright spots here. Uh, if you are a North, Northeastern State fan, four catches for 80 yards. Gage Ramsey, two for 22. Claude Williams, two for 16. Drew McKnight, one for third, 33. Matt Amos, one for eight. And then Kevin Jackson, one for nine. Then we're looking here. On the, the defensive side of the ball for UCO here, O'Shea Harris, the senior, led with six tackles, a half of TFL. When pass breakup, Derek Shaw, six tackles, one sack, two TFLs. Christian Malloy, five tackles, one pass breakup. Dre Palm Brown, four tackles, one sack, two TFLs, one forced fumble. One of them returned for a touchdown. Dylan Buckhide, three tackles. Kobe Underwood, three tackles, a pick six. Byron Burns, three tackles, one TFL, one forced fumble. Uh, Isaiah Major, two tackles, one from a return. And then we have here Stephon Starks, two tackles, half a TFL. Uh, and then we have Steven Craker here with the TFL in the side. Now, in the game, you should finish with eight TFLs uh, and three sacks. So, uh, again, Jazz, you definitely like to see, like, you, know, you definitely love to see that outcome on senior night. And speaking of the seniors here, um, 
you know, I'll wait, I'll wait on that. I'll wait on that uh, until Coach mentions them. Uh, but as always here again, I was able to catch up with Coach after the game. This is what Coach had to say. Uh, this was his, his opening statement on the team's 82 to 14 win over Northeastern. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I was really proud of the way our kids played in the, in the second half. Um, you know, they, they, they played good football. You started to see some clean stuff. Um, and it, and it was it was a lot better. You know, there was some there was some stuff in the first half I wasn't very very happy with with the turnovers in the red zone. And um, you know, we've really not had any of those issues this year. I mean, I think going into that game, we were number one in the country in red zone efficiency and scoring scoring offense in the red zone. So I wasn't very happy with that. Um, you know, just some poor decisions. And, um, yeah, I think that was the that was the biggest piece. But uh, I was happy. With, I was happy for our kids. You know, we we, we set a goal of sometimes you got to re, refocus your goals, and um, you know we, we we were able to do that and, and, and get the third out of the fourth win. You know, and, and hopefully we can finish next week. Obviously, we need to enjoy this one and and move forward. You know, so as as Coach said there, um, the the turnover turnovers cost him fourteen points. Usually, could have had ninety six points, uh, especially especially that 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 Bizell, that he was kind of kind of wide open there uh, in the end zone. Um, so it, it could have been an even greater offensive offensive performance. Um, now again, as we as we we mentioned here before, Brandon George. Did get the get get the start now again. I mentioned before that I thought the man did a fairly decent job. I mean, all things considering, uh, but this is what the coach had to say about his initial thoughts on Brandon George's performance in UCO's win. What you saw overall, you know, but really talented. You know, he's really talented, and he just. Um, you know, there's some things from an operations standpoint that were really muddy. Um, you know, especially on I mean, the first drive, there was three out of four football plays that, you know, early in that, that, you know, they required, they were playing barrier. You know, they were, they, they were playing, you know, they were covering the nose and both guards. And, you know, all week in practice, we checked out of those football plays and, and checked into quick game because they were having to play man. And they didn't do it. Um, and then, uh, you know, made a poor, poor decision on a, on a, on a ball that should have been a give on an RPO. And uh, he settled down after that a little bit. You know, the, 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 uh, the two minute drill there towards the end of the half. Just gotta, he, he doesn't need to look that off. I mean, he needs to move the safety with his eyes just to move him a little bit, but you're three by one, you're gonna steal the safety anyway. You don't need to, you know, the number three receiver's gonna steal the safety. You don't need to spend your eyes that long. And he was just late on the throw. It was open, it wasn't a bad decision. He was just late. Um, and he's gotta understand the entire route concept. And, and you know, that's one eye. You know, number three's gonna take the high safety and, I mean, he did, he did a good job. I don't want to bore him. I mean, I think he did a good job. 
he just uh, he's just raw. He's really talented. I mean, there's zero question about that. I mean, he's, he's a really talented kid. Um, so we're just going to continue to go. And, uh, he did a good job running the football today too. You know, found a way to do that and uh, was physical. Um, you know, did make some good throws early in that football game. You know, the the, the first ball to to Boscus and um, kind of got us started on the right track and we're moving, moving down the road. So he did a good job. So you know, uh, obviously, coach is going to be more critical than, than than I am, but that kind of is his job. Uh, but again, you know, again, overall, I thought he played a, 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 a fairly good game. Again, I'm talking about a guy here was down at Jones. Um, and White Coach also also, shed, uh, also said here, definitely saw a lot of flashes. You know, I feel like if you were there, you definitely saw uh, that, especially him him throwing the ball on, on the run here. Not easy to do. Uh, you also like his ability to run and the fact that he does have a live arm. Uh, I feel like are all things here that, that, that can make him uh, a really good quarterback, much like Chandler Gary. He also keeps drives drives alive. And he again, he, I'm the guy here that probably had to knock off a lot of rust. Now, he did kind of press some. Uh, you know, he, 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 that, that happens. I'm not surprised. I mean, Will Collins also presses some and kind of one of those where you kind of have to, you know, just, just accept that that's how they play. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, when, when you press, occasionally it works. I mean, he had that nice little preach, uh, that, that, that resulted in a, in a big game. And then other times, you know, he throws picks. So it, it just, it's just a learning experience here. Again, I was overall pleased with what I saw out of him. Uh, I think his future is definitely bright here. Um, now, again, it's a very deep unit of quarterback that returns everybody next year. Uh, but I, I do think if, if called if called upon here, uh, that Brandon George will get the job done. I was thinking that, that this is good now. Uh, now that now that they have a, a, a full game's worth of film here, they can they can go back now and and, and they can uh, address the issues here. So I think that Brandon George will have a fine career. Now, the defense also assisted Brandon George too in giving him some short fields. Uh, this is what the coach had to say about the defensive effort in today's win. We have. We have a we have a group of kids that, that can that can have the potential to play really good football. You see, it's just got to be consistent, you know. And you can see really you can see flashes of it. Um, you know, the guy that I keep seeing flash week after week after week. You know, I mean, the last probably the last three weeks is Draquan Brown. Um, he's really flashed the last few weeks and just playing hard. Um, and that's and when when you got guys playing hard, it, it shows up on the video. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm proud of those guys being able to being able to hold anybody to under 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 a yard rushing uh, for an entire game is is, is really good. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's we just got to play consistent. If we can continue to play consistent, you know, we'll finish this thing out the right way and uh, we'll be in good shape. 
Uh, now, I, I, I do agree here that the, the, the intensity is definitely higher. Now, mainly, it seems to me here from two guys, mainly not a whole unit, uh, as, as, as a whole here, I've just, I've just seen, it, it seems like they're, they're flying around the ball, they're flying around a, a whole lot more, and they seem more excited than they have previously. Now, the two guys here that, that to me has really jumped off the page. Now, I know Coach mentioned Draquan Brown, and we'll get into Draquan Brown here momentarily because I did ask him about that as a follow-up question. But another, but another guy here, Dylan Hall, Dylan Hall, especially last week, was just laying the wood down on on uh, yeah on on Missouri Southern. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Hall again is a guy here. You know, not the fastest, but when. When he hits you, the man hits you, and you can't underestimate that. What that what that does to a opposing offense. There, I mean, no one wants to get, just get lit up. Uh, but I, I have been definitely pleased by those two guys again, Kobe with his picks, and then just the overall pass rush here by the entire line uh, uh, again here. Uh, with the recent uptick in sack, which is this is having the third game, I believe, when UCLA has at least three sacks. Uh, so I have definitely been 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 pleased by that. And then the run defense here, especially against against uh against Wasper. I remember remember here uh, Wasper was definitely a run heavy team. Uh, and when we look when we, when we look at Emporia, uh, they were they're also a run heavy team. I've been pleased by the effort of front there on the front seven to stop the runs before they get going. Now, as you recall, early on in the season, there kind of a problem there uh, where a lot of runs would get to the second and third level. They've done a better job of, excuse me, of stopping it at the first level uh, and, and really stifling the run game. And then, you know, of course they held North, Northeastern State to negative five rushing yards. Uh, that is very, very key. And then finally here, another point was made was the consistency. Uh, the past three games, I, I wouldn't say minus the early on in the season, if you look at that, at that Kearney game, uh, it, it, that was the sole, I would say, good effort defensively early on in the season. Now, the past three games has just been lights out. I mean, they held Washburn in 19. They held the Missouri Southern team averaging almost 40 points a game to 27. And then here, holding North, Northeastern State to 14. Uh, I, I've just been, been pleased that I want to give again uh, Russ Pickett and Pat Hill a lot of credit here on the job that is being done because let me tell you it, it would have been it would have been real easy for the defensive unit to just turn in the towel just throw throw in the throw in the uh, towel here and just say you know it's it's this is not our year but I give them credit both the players and the coaches for finding a way here to, to really correct the wrongs and, and start to end the season here on a high note and one man that's ending the season on on a high note is Drake Brown. 
And again here, I mentioned before, Drake Home Brown has been a force of late. I asked Coach about Drake Horn last week. Uh, he brought Drake Home Brown up again. So I, I, I asked him to follow up here. And this is what Coach had to say uh, about what had, <coughs> about what has changed here for one Drake Home Brown. Kids, kids have a knack and, that, and his knack is rushing the passer. That's where I think sometimes coaching is overrated. Is you, you, I mean, it's not. He's just raw. I mean, really, really. I mean, he's a really explosive kid. And uh, sometimes we think that we can coach kids into being something that they're not. He's just not a. He's not a space football player. He, you know, he don't. He need. He functions better in those tight. You know, those tight alignments. And, um, where he's going forward rather than having to decide whether he wants to go forward or backwards. And. Um, and that, that, that's football players, you know, I mean, they're not all created the same. And sometimes that's, I think sometimes we as coaches, we get enamored with some of the athleticism and, and stuff like that. Or, um, but maybe it's not the, men, the mentality of the kid. Um, you know, you think he, I mean, he looks like a linebacker, he moves like a linebacker, but he didn't, he didn't necessarily see the game like a linebacker. That's that's the thing that, that's so difficult about recruiting and, and the game of football is you know, some kids they, they've got a niche you know you, you, you can't you can't just you, he's played linebacker you know in junior college and he played stand up linebacker at but really when he was stand up outside linebacker you know, he's rushing the passer and that's really where he has success. And, and that's what he needs to be doing. He needs to be rushing the pass and playing the game that way. Now, to me here, I think Coach brought up a really good point here about his early strong alignment. Now, I know I mentioned that a couple of couple of times uh, er, early on here that he missed some tackles of linebacker. It, it really, it really didn't seem like that was his his. His his best spot, and they, they obviously figured that out because it moved him. Uh, they they put his hand in, in in the ground now, and he leads the team with five and a half sacks. Uh, again, we are talking about a guy here that even coach mentioned before uh, in in that in that soundbite. You know that they can't really force a guy to be a certain guy. That you know guys do have a niche. And Draycon Brown's niche is is, is, is is as a pass rusher, and that even you know when he was at Northern Illinois, even as a linebacker, he still would have stayed a pass rusher. I think that you can definitely see that again. Uh, just just he has a nice blend of speed and strength. Uh, really has uh, surprisingly a good amount of, of pass rushing moves here. Uh, if you watch him against tackles, you know, sometimes, and again, I, I want to give credit here to uh, Smelser here, uh, he's able to overpower tackle. Other times, I've seen him do a spin move. Uh, so I, I just, I like the arsenal here, um, and, and I'm really glad, you know, uh, of the success here of Drake Hall Brown. He has been key to a defensive effort down the down the stretch uh, because again the five and a half sacks here uh, has just helped out other guys too 
um, you know, Mike Rios again. He has also upped his his game. Stefan Starks has. So I, I I'm just pleased again by the overall growth of the D defensive line. Uh, that that was definitely a short spot early on in the season that has been that 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 has been fixed, and I'm glad it has. Uh, because in a moment here, when we talk about Emporia, uh, we're going to need that to continue. But finally here, I want to end um, with what Coach had to say about this group of seniors here, uh, just about their overall, the, the, you know, the, about his thoughts and just the overall impact of this year's group of seniors. I mean, I it, it, this, this group of seniors, you know, they've had a lot of success here, and um, you know, being able to being able to send them out, and this group has never lost a President's Cup, you know, and that's I think that's a that's a special deal. Um, that that doesn't happen very often. They've retained it the entire time that they've been here. And, uh, really proud of those guys for being able to do that, and um, I think it's a it, it shines on them, you know. It's, you know, they've had. Most of those kids have had a really good career here, and uh, I'm really proud of those guys sitting them out of Warren Stadium with, with the uh, you know, with big men up there. Now, I, I just want to read off here the list of seniors right now. Um, offensively here, Dustin Boskis, the team leading the senior in nine games with 44 catches for 721 yards, seven touchdowns. 16.3 yards to catch, 80 yards per game. Now, many of you recall here a couple of years ago, Dustin was overshadowed and, and actually uh, uh, so by three quarter receivers, JT Looper, Josh Crockett, and, and Elliot Curry, uh, has stepped up big time. Uh, this is a guy that I have enjoyed watching play. Again, not the biggest guy but just gets the job done and, and I'm definitely going to miss seeing him in a Bronco uniform. And you have Todd Griffin, the Oregon transfer, uh, has 174 rushing with one touchdown and then 178 receiving with two, with two touchdowns in eight games. You recall Todd, the Oregon transfer. Hasn't had the season that I think anybody would have liked him, him to have if we're just being honest here. Uh, he had some fumbling issues early on in the uh, in the in the season there, um, but you know I, I'm glad that he was able to have a really good senior night. Uh, I, was, I was glad that he was able to come on strong these past couple of games. Uh, if, if if you you recall, he had a nice catch against against Washburn. And um, ho hopefully he can, you know, go out strong uh, against against Emporia then on the line. Tyler Stillwell a stalwart, Nick George a stalwart, Nicko Blair a stalwart. Those are the three guys uh, that have played a lot of football for UCO here that will be missed. And you have reserve lineman Quentin Sanders. We also have two H backs here. A really unsung heroes in the offense, Marshall Tolson and Daxton Williams will also definitely be mixed here. I know Tolson, Coach has said numerous times, probably the best inline blocker in the whole conference. 
uh, and, and I'll have to have to agree with that. Uh, Tolson is is, is a, a great blocker. Uh, Williams, kind of a, a blend here, can uh, catch and, and block. So those guys will also be missed. And then physically here, losing losing your your, your two standout DBs in Jakari, uh, 48 tackles, three TFLs, one sack. Three breakups, two for fumbles in seven games. Carlos Brown, I haven't been watching the past two uh, 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 the, the, the past two seasons. Again, just the way he plays the game from, from a physical standpoint. Not the biggest guy, but just gets but it just plays hard. It just plays hard. I mean, he brings everything he has. And I'm just gonna miss seeing him. He, to me, he just he, he adds an edge back there. You know, it's safety where if you come across the middle, you're probably going to pay for it. Uh, then you have All-American O'Shea Harris. Uh, ten in ten games, leads the team tackle sixty-seven, four and a half TFLs, one breakup, one 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 recovery. Another guy here that's that's just been a solid player. For the past three seasons, again, for the guy here, I would suspect would have a chance at the, at the next level. Uh, and he's a guy that I'm also going for, for to watch. And then you have a linebacker trio from Jeremiah Hill, Dylan Hall, and Byron Burns, Hill in 10 games. In two tackles, two TFLs, three breakups, one quarterback hurry, one fourth fumble, one recovery. Uh, then Hall in 10 games, 43 tackles, one breakup, two recoveries, one for touchdowns, and then Byron Burns in eight games, 41 tackles, four TFL, two fourth fumbles. Just a trio of JUCOs that have made an impact from the moment they stepped on the field. Uh, these are guys here that are also going, 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 and they're going to miss again. Dylan Hall, just the way that he's been playing. As a weight, just, just laying the wood down, and then Byron Burns, Jeremiah Hill, just 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 running solid plays. I mean, they forced three three fumbles combined uh, between those two. Just guys here that just are just good, heady players. I'm also going to just say that. And then you have linebacker in Drake Brown in 10 games, 28 tackles. Five and a half sacks, six and a half TFL, one hurry, one fumble, and two recoveries. Now, this is a guy here that really, that you just really hate to see him leave because you feel like you're turning the corner and, you know, you're turning the corner and that's all she wrote for his fucking career. Now, there's a guy here, like the thing, also the rate that he's been playing. Might get some looks at one of the many leagues here out there. I I, I just wish we had another year with him. I, I would love to see what he could have done with the full year uh, in the role that he is currently in here. I mean, time of five and a half sacks here. And four and a half of them have come since they put his hand in the ground. I, I just, it, it's just, uh, it is tough. It's tough because I just like to have seen what he could do in his new role. And you have uh, KK. I'm not gonna, I can't pronounce his name. 
In 10 games, 11 tackles, one TFL, and then you have, of course, Jay Tedesco, Hunter here, uh, who also senior. So, a very impactful group. Not a huge group in terms of numbers, but just in terms of, of just output here, especially on on on, on defense. Um, a lot of a lot of stalwarts here. A lot of mainstays um, that will be playing their last game. Well, maybe now because I I was also told UCL would have a chance at a bowl if they win. Um, but you know, I, I heard it's slim, but it's not a chance. So those 15 guys might very well be playing their final game in a UCL uniform, and that will be taking place Saturday at 2 p.m. in Emporia, Kansas, uh, as they take on Emporia State, who is three and seven on the season, coming off a 29 to six win over Missouri Southern. Uh, now, Emporia, if we're if we're looking here, um, their defense is actually not bad. Their defense is not bad. I mean, I they, they held Missouri Southern here just six points, and only fifty yards rushing on thirty-eight carries. Also had three interceptions, and then held them to two sixty-four. So, uh, Emporia's defense is a strong suit here. Now, where they're struggling here is offensively, they're averaging at least a little over three touchdowns a game. Um, and they also are not a pass passing team. They, they, they threw two picks against Missouri Southern. Um, they're also a run-heavy team. We're looking here at the statistics here on offense forum. Averaging 23.9 points per game, 153 yards a game rushing. So again, this, the running attack is a strong point. With 14 touchdowns, passing the ball, uh, 204.9 yards per game with 12 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Averaging 357.9 yards per game. They've had 10 fumbles. They lost six of them. And then if we're looking here also as well on third downs, they are 36%. On fourth downs, 25%. They have allowed um, 25 sacks. Wow. They've allowed more sacks than Northeastern State did. So, so the pass game is, is suspect here. Uh, I would again like to imagine here we can get some more sacks, would just be fantastic. Uh, they are 11, uh, they're, they're 11 of 14 on field goals, 0 of 2 on onside kicks, 84% in the red zone with half of the main touchdowns, and they're 87% on PATs. They're scoring by quarters breakdown here. Now, this is a team that in the second and fourth quarters, or just absolute garbage this year. Um, they're outscoring the points in the first quarter, 64 to 53, getting outscored in the second, 81 to 52. Yeah, outscoring them in the outscoring people in the third, 74 to 52, and then getting outscored in the fourth, 65 to 25. So it seems like they spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, having to dig themselves out of uh, out of out of a hole in the third quarter. 
and then run out of gas in the fourth. Now, if we're looking here, um, the 27, I mean, the 29 points that they scored last week, the third most that they scored this season, uh, behind posting 50 against Lincoln and 51 against North Northeastern, Eastern State. They were also even shut out against Missouri Western, 28th and nothing. So this is an offense here. If you take away those two games, you're probably looking at a team here averaging about maybe 20 points, if that. So offensively here, it has been a huge struggle for them. Uh, they are led by quarterback Dalton Cowan, 6'3", 204 sophomore. A uh, 1,683 yards, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions, uh, 187 yards per game. Was also the second lead rusher, 104 carries for 238 yards, four touchdowns, uh, 2.3 yards per carry, 26.4 yards per game. And their other quarterback here, Brandon Gleason, six foot 183 registered for Muldrow, Oklahoma. A 161 on the season, one touchdown, two picks. And then running the ball here, well, again, is their strong suit offensively. Um, they're led by a junior, Carlos Grace, 5'10", 189, 114 carries, 540 yards, six touchdowns, 4.7 yards per carry, 60 yards per game. Then you have uh, then obviously Cowan is the second leading rusher, and then the third leading rusher is Calvin Boyce, 5'8", 203, red freshman from Prairie, Oklahoma. 39 carries, 150 yards, two touchdowns, 3.8 yards per carry, 16.7 yards per game. Then when they go to the air here, they're led by Cole Schumacher, 6'1", 190, redshirt sophomore, 36 catches, 368, two touchdowns, 10.2 yards per catch, 40.9 yards per game. Uh, we have Will Amos, 6'1", 178, redshirt freshman, 31 carries for 385, two touchdowns, 12.4 yards per catch, 55 yards per game. And you have receiver Dexton Swinehart, 5'10", 156, redshirt freshman, 21 catches, 370, two touchdowns, 11.9 yards per catch, 41.1 yards per game. And then you have JT Mackey, 6'2", 197, Julian, 12 catches, 125, two touchdowns, 10.4 yards per catch, 13.9 yards per game. So we're looking here defensively for UCO. Um, again, for the second straight week, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I mean, I know Mark Whelan had 80 yards on four catches. Uh, but again, as I said before, uh, last, I'll say it again, we can get a pass rush here. I, I think we have a really good chance of, of stopping the passing game. And I do have a couple of receivers here. And again, they also have, have some, 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 some height here. But I really feel like if you still can come out there, stop the run, because again, passing-wise, they've thrown seven picks this season, only 12 touchdowns here. Feel like, much like against Washburn, 
forth from the past. Uh, you're, 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 you're taking them out of what they want to do offensively here. You have a really good chance of stopping them. So I like to see Draycon Brown here go out with the, with, the, with, with, with some with some sacks. Stephon Stars go out here with some with some with some sacks as well. Uh, and, and just get some pressure on them here. Really, really stifle that, that the ground game and then force them to have to pass it here. Uh, because if if we're if we're looking again, uh, it seems like to me here. I feel like to me here, especially if they can just in the second, in in the first half, really, okay, we can we can hold them, you know, in the first quarter, into under what they are scoring. Uh, then we have a chance, but it seems like in the in the second quarter here, they aren't that strong. So if we can get a decent halftime lead. Uh, then I think we're looking good there defensively. Um, now Emporia is better than than, than Northeastern State. That's not, that's not saying much. Uh, but this is an Emporia team that the past two years have given UCO uh, some very good games. Uh, and also their senior night, I'm sure they want to go out here with a win. So I, I would expect here. Perhaps the best effort all season from them. Uh, then we're looking uh, defensively for Emporia. They're allowing 27.9 points per game, 163.4 yards per game rushing with 15 touchdowns, 187.9 uh, yards per game passing with 12 touchdowns to 8 interceptions, only allowing 351.3 yards per game. Um, let's see, they have nine sacks on the season. Um, they're allowing a 31% third down, 62% on fourth, uh, and then allowed 29 touchdowns, 15 of 18 on field goals, 85% in the red zone, uh, 59% of them being touchdowns, and 93% on PATs. I'm looking here. Again, now they, their their defense is probably among one of the best in the conference here. Now, they, to me, their their defense keeps them in a whole lot of games, so it's going to be imperative here for you for for um, UCO here. I know Chandler Garrett should be starting. Very imperative, okay, that we play smart football because they have a lot of names on defense, a lot. Of names on defense. Uh, they're led by linebacker Jace McDowell, what a name, six foot, 222 Red Junior, leads the team with 83 tackles, tie, I mean, uh, yeah, tie for second with six TFLs, have a half sack, one pick, one breakup, two deflections, one hurry. And you have DB Lawson Holbert, 6'2, 189 senior. Uh, 58 tackles, half a TFL, leads the team with three picks. Also leads with six breakups and nine deflections. Has two recoveries, one forced fumble. And then you have linebacker Dawson uh, Haynes, six foot, 211 registered sophomore, 56 tackles, 
Six TFL tied for the lead with two and a half sacks. Uh, two quarterback hurries. And you have DB Gary Woods, the second. Six foot, a buck 91 from Cassidy. Uh, 56 tackles, one and a half TFLs, one pick, one breakup, two deflections, one recovery. Linebacker G Stanley, 6'2", 199 junior, 53 tackles, leads the team with seven and a half TFLs, tied for the lead with two and with two and a half sacks, one pick, one breakup, two deflections, one hurry, and one first fumble. Then on the line here, Parker Bass, 6'2", 251 senior, uh, 35 tackles, five TFLs, one breakup, one deflection. Leads the team with five quarterback hurries, one forced fumble. A DB Jaden Poole, 6'2", 186 sophomore. With Carl Albert, the old stopping ground, uh, joined by his other four. And one James D. Jackson. Uh, 29 tackles, one TFL. Leads with seven breakups, second on and deflected with seven. Uh, you have DB Jordan Wallace, 6'3", 195 junior. 22 tackles, four and a half TFLs, half a sack, three breakups, and three deflections. DB Kyle Riddick, 6'3", 196, junior, 20 tackles, one TFL, five breakups, and deflections, and one recovery. Linebacker Kate Harrelson, 6'4", 219, sophomore from Davenport, 18 tackles, five TFL, one breakup, one deflection, two recoveries, one force fumble. Then you have D lineman Jackson Massey, 6'3, 266. 17 tackles, 4 TFL, half a sack, one recovery. D lineman Trayvon uh, Ammons, 6'4, 250. 16 tackles, 2 TFL, one sack, one breakup, one deflection, one quarterback hurry, one force fumble. And then D lineman Jordan Williams, 6'1. 275, 14 tackles, one and a half TFLs, one and a half sacks, one and a half quarterback hurries, and for JG Smooth, one voice crack. Now, if we're looking here overall, a lot of length in the secondary, a lot of length here. Uh, Dawson Holbert, 6'2, Gary Ward, 6'0, Jane Poole, 6'2. Jordan Wallace, 6'3", and Kyle Rennick, 6'3". And that poses a problem. Um, but you see on now, we're getting thin at receiver. I uh, think here, I think Preach is done for the season. So now we're rolling pretty much with the three of Boskis, Mizell, Huddleston. And then you have, I think, Cole Taylor and... Um, and we just get thin from there. So I'm really, it's going to be important here, in my opinion, for you should really be able to run the ball. Um, because again, just the size and the production there is going to be tough. Um, so I would like to see us win a lot of scrimmage here and just start running the ball here. Now, that, that will also be tough. Because they have quality linebackers. I mean, you're talking about G. Stanley here. Um, has seven and a half TFLs. Uh, and, and then, you and then you know, two of the top three league tacklers are linebackers. So, 
even that won't be easy. And then also up front here, I mentioned one about four or five linemen here. So if this could be similar to the Washburn Kearney game, where it is a slugfest, a defensive battle, a a a, a run heavy win in the trenches type of type of game. Now I would not be opposed to that. Because seeing how UCO is currently two and zero in those in those kinds of, of matchups here, uh, I, I I'm thinking that is probably what we're going to be seeing. Uh, now uh, our thing here again, offensively UCO again just able to to, to run the ball. Um, we need the line play. The line was was really good last week. I was definitely impressed by uh, what I saw from Alex Eichler and um, Ben Ben Rawson as well. Uh, so we, we need that to continue here. I know Lane Grantham did play. I do, I cannot recall if Schistler did or not, but I do know that Lane Grantham did play. I remember seeing his, his, his uh, number out there. Uh, but that to me is going to be key in getting a win here Really, in totality, both sides of the ball, whoever wins in the trenches, I, I think, will come away with this game. Uh, then we go ahead and look at their special teams here. Kicker Clark Schoonover, 11-14 on the season, 8-9 from 20 to 29 yards, 3-4 from 30 to 39 yards, over 1 from 40 to 49, have a long of 34 in their punter. Ross Bungart, 38.2 yards per punt, long of, long of 67. One touchback, 21 fair catch, 12 inside and inside at 20. Eight of, eight of 50 or more yards, and it has one block. So, again, I'm just special team. You want to block a punt, block some kicks, go right ahead. Now, they were close. To blocking two punts against Eastern State. I'm hoping we get the block here against Emporia Mike. I mean, any, any, any block is huge. But would just be really appreciated here because that might determine who wins the game. So, again, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the matchup here. I just, whoever wins in the trenches, in my summation here, Will probably win the game, and, 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 and whoever can get the passing game going the best will also probably win the game. Now, for that, I like to think UCO would have a chance here, uh, just because Dustin Bacchus alone um, uh, almost has more yards than their top two, two receivers combined, and then Huddleston and Bizarre are playing great, uh, great, 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 great football right now. So. I think this is a winnable game. It will be tough, but not about it. It will be a very tough, tough, uh, tough game. I'll be surprised if it did not come down to, to the to the wire like the last two to have here. And if UCO, this is this is a must-win game. The season, the season, this is the season. Okay, because if you want a shot at a bowl. You have to win to get to win number six. And regardless, if you want a winning season, you have to win this game. So I, I'm encouraging the seniors with, with Tyler, Tyler Stillwell, 
McGeorge, O'Shea, uh, Dustin Bosk is here, um, uh, uh, Jacory Hunt. I just do everything you can, even if you cannot play in this game. Just make it apparent that you this really win this game at all costs. UCO, win this game at all costs. You, you would end a season on a high note here, whether or not you, you get into a bowl, you still have a winning season, okay? You, 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 you still you can end it on a high note. I just really, whatever you have left in the tank, lay it out on the line and pour your Kansas Saturday at 2 p.m. Just give it all you got because the season is on the line. I'm looking forward to watching that again. I'll be watching it on the MI in the on the MI AA network. And I'm hoping UCO, if this is it, they can end the season on a high note uh, and at least go out with a winning record. Now, before we end here, looking at the conference standings, uh Central Missouri. Still undefeated, 10-0, coming off a 73-6 win over Lincoln. Now, they play Northwest Missouri. Now, uh, what I'm told here, now I know Central Missouri have already clinched a share of the MIAA championship, but that is a game to also keep an eye out on because that's one of the more better matchups uh, in all of D2 this season. Northwest Missouri, now, they did their parts. They beat Fort Hayes in two overtime. Now, Fort Hayes has snatched a seven-game losing streak. And now, Fort Hayes is a team here that has come on really strong. I've been really impressed by what I see on Fort Hayes here. Again, they have a massive front on both offense and defense. Probably just, wear, just wears you down. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how many points they score against Northeastern State this week. Uh, they're third at 7-3. and three. Then you have Missouri Western, 7-3. Got ran on by Kearney. 49-21. And again, Kearney's a team here. I, I, again, I'm not saying this every week. Did not see them taking this big of a step this this this, this early under their uh, new coach, but uh, good for Curry. Uh, Curry at fifth as T four, UCO at six, at five and five. Penn State lost their fifth straight game to Washburn, 49-38. Now five and five on the season. I don't know what's going on right now in Pittsburgh, Kansas, uh, but I strongly advise they get that fixed there because they don't win this week. I'm not sure who they're playing. Uh, they better secure a losing season where it was six straight losses. So uh, I, 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 I'll just get that fixed. And you're Pitt State right now. Uh, not looking good. Not looking good. Uh, Wasburg at five and five, and Emporia at three and seven. Missouri seven and two and eight. Lincoln at one and nine. And rounding out the conference as usual at zero and ten. Northeastern State. So looking forward to this. Um, that's going to do it. Next time we will, we will, we will come on here. Hopefully I'm in the studio of one DJ Deuce J. 
Um, and we'll be recapping the Emporia game. We'll go ahead and probably, if I am in the studio, we'll probably go ahead and then recap the season here um, and um, probably wrap it up there. Um, but if I'm not in the studio, then we'll definitely will have we'll have a separate separate podcast. But look at look, looking forward to this here. Looking forward to seeing how you how the CEO ends. What you what could be described as a disappointing season, but they have rallied around and really made a conscious effort here to make the most out of it. Uh, so I like to think that that will continue Saturday in Emporia, Kansas again, and 2 p.m. kickoff. So I'm wishing them the best of luck and for the seniors, if this if this is indeed it, to end their careers on a high note. So that's gonna do it. My name is Jonathan Goodo, aka of JG's Move. I'll talk to you all later. That's all folks. Bye, have a great time. Thank you. Come again.